All right, let's uh, um, turn back then to Genesis and chapter 4. I will read verse 17 to verse 26. Literally from verse 17 to the end of this chapter. The Bible reads there, Cain knew his wife, and she conceived and bore Enoch. When he built a city, he called the name of the city after the name of his son Enoch. To Enoch was born Erad, and Erad fathered Mehujahel, and Mehujahel fathered Methusahel, and Methusahel fathered Lamech. And Lamech took two wives. The name of the one was Ada, and the name of the other, Zillah. Ada bore Jabal. He was the father of those who dwell in tents and have livestock. His brother's name was Jubal. He was the father of all those who play the lyre and pipe. Zillah also bore Tubal Cain. He was the forger of all instruments of bronze and iron. The sister of Tubal Cain was Nehemiah. Lamech said to his wives, Ada and Zillah, hear my voice. You wives of Lamech, listen to what I say. I have killed a man for wounding me, a young man for striking me. If Cain's revenge is sevenfold, then Lamech's is seventy-sevenfold. And Adam knew his wife again, and she bore a son and called his name Seth. For she said, God has appointed for me another offspring instead of Abel, for Cain killed him. To Seth also, a son was born, and he called his name Enosh. At that time, people began to call upon the name of the Lord. We end our reading there. Strictly speaking, I should have read right into chapter 5. In fact, the whole of chapter 5, because it will be part of this sermon this morning. As I already mentioned to you yesterday, I was preaching... Well, it, I didn't mention the preaching part, but I was uh, preaching at the wedding in Kitwe and preached from this same uh, text because it tells us about passing the baton on to the next generation. I thought of sharing the same message here for the same purpose. Uh, it is relevant primarily because this is a special service that is related to are young people who are children born from a number of families that are here. And therefore, it is in many ways showing something of this same activity of passing on the baton. Passing on the baton. The parents are educating the children from, for that particular purpose. Now, this chapter actually begins on a very sad note, I skipped that part. 
It is the first murder that ever took place in human history. And it is an elder brother who is murdering his own brother. Not because he had done something wrong to him, but out of jealousy and envy. But thankfully, it ends on a very good note. It ends with uh, people beginning to worship God. Let me just read that ending again. Verse 26. To Seth also a son was born, and he called his name Enosh. At that time, people began to call upon the name of the Lord. This is the good story with which this whole chapter ends. And as we begin to think about it, I want to repeat, the main theme on my own heart is the responsibility that we have when we come into this world, not just to think about ourselves, but to realize that we are, as it were, in a race. We are receiving a baton from our parents, and it depends on what we do, and then we pass it on to others. And God holds us accountable for that process, because Trust me, what is happening today in this world is a fruit of a previous generation. And there's no way that on the judgment day, God is going to say to our parents, you've got nothing to do with it, you are not responsible, and therefore you will not either be rewarded or punished for it. God will punish the previous generation for the wrong that they have caused us to participate in and he will reward them for the good that has come into our generation. Well, in this particular passage that we have read, we have two lines of uh, ancestry. First of all, we have uh, that line that comes from Cain and we see it from verse uh, 17 all the way to verse 24 and then we also have the line that now proceeds from Seth beginning with verse 25 all the way to the end of chapter 5 and so what we notice there is uh, two lines two passing on of buttons and the thing that I want us to see from there is that the one did a very bad job, another did a very good job. And then, to challenge ourselves about it in terms of what we are doing. But first of all, I want us to see something of the similarities and the differences, and then we'll go into Cain's line, and then finally end with Seth's. What are the similarities? Well, the main similarities simply is in the names. That's all. It's in the names. And uh, you will notice that um, Cain, in his line, had a, uh, a son whom he named Enoch. And later, he had a, a great-grandson who was called Lamech. 
We've already read that, and in fact, we will come back to both of them in a moment. We also see exactly the same when we come to chapter 5. We will see that later, that even in Seth's line, there was an Enoch and there was a, a Lamech. However, whereas we do not know much about the first Enoch, we know a lot about the final Lamechs. And we know enough to recognize that complete contrast that was there as a fruit of the passing on of these batons. And that is what the major contrast is between the two. That on the one hand, you have Ken's Lamech, who was a murderer, and then you've got Seth's Lamech, who was a producer of a savior of the world. Let's just quickly read that part before we get into Cain's line. So let's go down to verse 28. Verse 28 of chapter 5, by the way. Verse 28 of chapter 5. The Bible says there, when Lamech had lived 182 years, he fathered a son and called his name Noah, saying, Out of the ground that the Lord has cursed, this one shall bring us relief, there it is, from our work and from the painful toil of our hands. Lamech lived after he fathered Noah 595 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Lamech with 777 years, and he died. So we can see there that the second Lamech is the one who gave us Noah. And later on, again as we shall see, Noah was referred to as a righteous man. Let's begin with Cain's passing on his baton to his generation. Let's begin from there. And that is chapter 4, beginning with verse 17. What do we learn there? Well, first of all, I just want us to quickly rush to Lamech himself. Because, as I said, with respect to uh, Enoch, all we are told was that Cain named an entire city after this individual, uh, Enoch. However, later on, we are told in verse 18, to Enoch was born Erad. And then Erad fathered Mehujahel, and Mehujahel fathered Methushahel, and Methushahel fathered Lamech. So we're talking roughly about four generations down the line. It is at that point that the Bible slows down to give us a little more detail concerning this Lamech. And the very first detail we are given is that he became a polygamist. It's already beginning to tell us some things are not going well. Verse 19, and Lamech took two wives. Now that goes right against the grain of God's revelation. God meant marriage to be between one man and one woman for life. 
Let me say it again. One man and one woman for life. It's not one man and one man, or one man and one, or rather one woman and one woman. It's one man and one woman. It is not one man and two women, or three women. It is one man and one woman. And it is for life. It's not for five years, not for ten years, not until she burns my suit with a hot iron. Uh -uh. For life, that was God's design. When we read, and Lamech took two wives, we immediately should start saying there's a problem here. There's a problem here. And it's a problem of a man failing to control his passion, his sexual passion. And consequently, instead of limiting himself to the woman he has married, he then takes on another one as a by the side or as a second one. Already we are in problems. Well, what else do we learn concerning this Lamech? Let's first of all accept the fact that there was something positive that took place as a result of his family. He educated his children. He brought the best out of them in other ways except moral ways. Let's see this. We are told there, the name of the one was Ada and the name of the other, Zila. Ada bore Jabal. So out of one of his wives, there was a child called Jabal. He was the father of those who dwell in tents and have livestock. Now that's a picture that is meant to speak about individuals who have given themselves for business in the realm of livestock. And dwelling in tents had to do with going further and further away looking for pasture in order to multiply your livestock. So you can consider them as being astute in the realm of finances, in the realm of business, in the realm of economics. They were utterly successful. Let's go on. He says there, his brother's name was Jubal. He was the father of all those who played the lure and the pipe. And that is talking now in terms of their giftedness with respect to music. There were individuals who stood out, not just in terms of their capacity to sing, but also in their capacity to play musical instruments. And so, again, that's something that is very positive. Because, as you know, music is an art. You can't just stand up and start composing songs and, and so forth. You can't. They, it, it's, it's a science as well that you need to get to know. It demands education in order to achieve it. And these people not only learned music, they not only learned how to sing it, but also how to play, act 
actual instruments that produced musical sounds. And then thirdly, there also were individuals that were so educated that they were inventors, inventors of technology. Look at this. This is now through the second wife. Zila also bore Tubal Cain. He was the forger of all instruments of bronze and iron. Again, we must accept that this is like saying that these are the people that invented the Microsoft computer. That's, that's the, what this was saying to the people who were reading at that time. Okay, so this is not you children here, you know, in the evening uh, beginning to sort of hit a bit of a, uh, a bottle top until it is flat. And then you make two holes in it. And then you put a string. And then you start doing this. You know, they're all looking ignorant. So obviously the way we're playing is not the way they play, you see. Because that's what we used to make when we were in your age. And you'll be going... We were inventors. <laughs> okay, but this is beyond those kinds of inventions. This is referring, if it was today, to the, the, the making of drones and making of aeroplanes and making of, of things like that. And, and so uh, there's something positive to be said about Lamech and his children. He obviously wanted them to have the best possible education. He obviously wanted them to, to have a name in the world, a name that they would be known. That's why they are distinguished this way. If it was in today's world, they would be the ones who would be on the cover of magazines. Uh, they would be the ones who would be in newspapers as, as uh, front cover news. They would be the ones that would be on Independence Day honored by the president because of these kinds of achievements. That's what we are talking about here. However, sadly, we soon discover that there was complete tragedy in the way in which Lamech was still going about things. Listen to this. He calls his two wives. Lamech said to his wives, Ada and Zila, hear my voice, you wives of Lamech. Listen to what I say. I have killed a man for wounding me, a young man for striking me. If Ken's revenge is sevenfold, then Lamech's is seventy-sevenfold. In other words, here was a person who, on one hand, could not control his sexual passion. On the other, he also could not control another passion, and it was his anger. We're not sure what happened between him and this friend. It may have been accidental that he hit him and hurt him, but in response, he ended up killing him. Or perhaps it was an actual fight. Fighting over property, fighting over whatever it might be. But in the process, 
Instead of simply, he's punched me, I punch him back. It is, I finish him off. That's what he did. He killed him. Where do you think that came from? Well, he himself tells us here. He knew about his great, 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 great grandfather. He knew. For he goes on to say, if Cain's revenge is sevenfold, then Lamech's is seventy-sevenfold. Here was an ancestry that prized education as we speak about it, but did not prize the qualities and values that God has enshrined into humanity. And that is, you are not only to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, but you are to love your neighbor as you love yourself. You are to mourn with those who mourn. You are to rejoice with those who rejoice. Now we know that Cain ought to have rejoiced with his brother Abel. But he didn't. Instead, he murdered him. Why? Because of that something inside that was saying, yeah, you. how can God accept you but not accept me. How can God accept what you give him but he doesn't accept mine? It was eating away at him until finally mm, he killed his brother. One of the biggest values that draws out of God's values for us is simply self-control. Simply self-control. Another word for it is self-discipline. It's an attribute that we ought to insist upon in our children as they're growing up to say to them, learn to say no to yourself. Learn to say that. Lamech was failing to say no when he saw a beautiful woman who wasn't his wife. He failed to say no to himself. He also failed to say no when his anger was coming up in his being. He should have said, Lamech, no. No, don't do it. No. That's self-control. That's self-discipline. Children, that's one of the things you have to learn. You will see your friend has forgotten his Quacha on his table. It's gone. And you can see as you're looking at it, you are beginning to see that this is equal to four jiggies. Packets of jiggies. Then you have to say to yourself, no. No. Don't. It's not mine. It belongs to my friend. Keep it for him. And those of us who are parents, exactly the same thing. We need to learn to educate our children to say no to what is wrong. Even if they desire it, it's growing up in them to learn to say no. 
Ken's line filled that completely. And although there were achievements, there was disaster in the end. Let's quickly move on to Seth's side. Seth. The story is summarized for us at the end of verse 26. At that time, people began to call upon the name of the Lord. That's meant to say that the major tragedy in Cain's line was the absence of family religion, the absence of father and mother and children getting together in order to worship God. Remember, there was no church then. It was the absence of family worship. It was absent. It was now restored in the lineage of Seth. What's the fruit of that? Well, let's quickly go to chapter 5. Chapter 5 begins. This is the book of the generations of Adam. When God created a man, he made him in the likeness of God. Male and female, he created them. And he blessed them and named them man when they were created. When Adam had lived 130 years, he fathered a son in his own likeness, after his image. And you'd think the Bible would say, and named him Cain. Uh-uh. We have left Cain's line for now. We are now in the line of Seth. And so it says, and named him Seth. From this point downwards, we are being told about the lineage of Seth. The days of Adam after he fathered Seth were 800 years and he had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days that Adam lived were 930 years and he died. When Seth had lived 105 years he fathered Enosh. Seth lived after he fathered Enosh and on and on the story goes. What you may not appreciate is this that there are roughly seven generations after this. Seven. Up until Lamech. At the time Lamech was born, Seth was still alive. Now, for us, that's not the case. He was still alive. In fact, Noah, when he was born, he was born... 14 years after Seth died. 14 years. So what it means is that all these people are benefiting from Seth's life. All of them. He was alive. Well, let's speak on two of them. Two that we also see named in Cain's life. The first one is Enoch. Enoch. Let's go to verse 21. Verse 21, he was the son of Jared. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he fathered Methuselah. Enoch walked with God after he fathered Methuselah. 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Enoch walked with God. 
Notice that phrase. Enoch walked with God. We'll come across it in a few minutes. And he was not, for God took him. The point there is that Enoch never died. He was translated from this life into the next. Why? Because of this walking with God. He had such a peculiar walk with the Lord, such a, a, a tenderness, such a, 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 an intimacy with God, that God did him this favor of, of skipping death and just took him to heaven. The thing I want to say is this. That was not an accident. It was not an accident. This was a fruit of that statement that at that time, people began to call upon the name of the Lord. Seth brought in something that was missing from this other lineage. And it was this aspect of God into the lives of his children and his grandchildren and his great-grandchildren and his great-great-great-grandchildren. And here are some benefits we are already beginning to see. Well, let's go to the next one. We've already touched on him, but uh, it's still worth getting back there. This is now Lamech. Remember there was a Lamech who was a disaster in Ken's line. Let's see this other Lamech. When Lamech had lived 182, that's verse 28, he fathered a son and called his name Noah. Well, let's just read chapter 6 and verse 9. Chapter 6 and verse 9. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation, and there it is again. Noah walked with God. Noah walked with God. The people had multiplied on the face of the earth. There were those who were still following after the ways of God. The, they are referred to at the beginning of chapter 6 as the sons of God. By the way, this has got nothing to do with angels. Uh, marrying human beings, this is really the sons of Seth marrying into the sons of Cain. That's all there is, guys. No spirit husbands and wives here. Okay? <laughs> People read doctrines in here which are not there at all. As a result of this intermarriage, they were corrupted and the world got worse. But Noah stood out. Noah stood out. He walked with God. Why? Again, it's exactly the same point I want to make. This was not an accident, friends. This was a product of a deliberate effort to pass on the knowledge of God, to educate one's children and one's grandchildren and so on, going on and on in the things that matter the most. God and the things of God. And as a result, 
Seven generations later, remember, Seth is still there. An old man, yes, but he is still there. A savior of the world is born in the person of Noah. And he saves the world in the flood. Saves the world in the flood. The point I want us to realize is this. We all, whether we like it or not, we all pass on a baton to, ne to the next generation. We all do. By what we say and how we live. By our priorities in life. By the things that we value the most. And sometimes... It's not because we are even planning. We haven't even opened a meeting or closed the meeting in, in our home. It's, it's when we are relaxed and, and we are talking with each other. Relaxed. Our children are listening. And they can see what we value the most as we are talking, for lack of a better phrase, recklessly. Obviously, we are in our homes. We are relaxed. There's no pastor or elder there. We're just ourselves. And as we are speaking, our children are picking up these values. These values. And they are saying, this is what matters the most in life. And they also know the way we live. If our lives are lived in sexual immorality, they pick it. And they begin to think, it doesn't matter. The way you live in this area, it doesn't matter. That's the way they begin thinking. So the point I'm trying to make is this. All of us pass on a baton to the next generation, whether we like it or not. Either a good one or a bad one. Cain passed on that which was bad. And look at the fruit. Safe passed on that which was good. Look at the fruit. Well, one of the reasons why we have been concerned to have a school like Eagles Nest School is because we are convinced that it's not good enough to teach our children how to get a job so that they can make money. It's not good enough. That was ensured in Ken's line. It's not good enough to have a school where we are helping to nurture the gifts and talents of our children so that we can make them soccer stars or music stars or movie stars or whatever other stars might be there on the planet. It is not good enough as we have seen how so many so-called stars have messed up their families and in the end even killed themselves in suicide. Not enough! It is not good enough for us 
to teach our children so that they can know the basics of science and consequently become inventors of different technologies and consequently make a name for themselves, it is not enough. We are persuaded that our children need God. They desperately need God. That we should enshrine into their very lives the knowledge of God. And by the way, that's why we've studied the African Christian University. Exactly the same reason. That even at tertiary level, we may still educate our children with a biblical worldview, a gospel-centered knowledge. It doesn't matter what it is they are learning because they need God. Otherwise, they will be successful in the eyes of the world. As you and I know, we know the big people, the popular people in this world, where all the media runs when they're making speeches. But those of us who know them personally, we know that it's a disaster. Behind the curtains is a disaster, we know that. And many of them, as a consequence, have lost their families already. We know that. Friends, that's not life with a capital L. No, it isn't. Real life, abundant life, real joyful life begins with God, who he is, coming into a right relationship with him, and out of that, working out everything else. Great sevens, if you leave ego's nest and you've not come into a personal relationship with God, despite all that's been done for you, I feel sorry for you. You've not gone with the most important item we wanted you to take home with you. You haven't. Even if you pass with flying colors, when on the judgment day we see that you walked off the graduation forum, podium, without Christ, we will mourn. We will not be rejoicing, we will mourn. Because above everything else, you need God, and he comes to you only in the person of Jesus Christ. Parents, and there are many parents here, May I also add future parents, because that now brings all of us into perspective. Yes, your children need education for them to look after themselves financially, for them to be able to harness the full potential of the gifts that God has put in them, for them to give us development in human life and living. They need education. Let's make sure we give them the best education. But oh, may God help us. If we neglect family religion, may God have mercy on us. If we come from work, we're just tired, kick off our shoes, eat our shima, watch one or two movies, and go to sleep. God have 
mercy on us. There's something much more important than that. It is to educate them in the things of God. Let's treasure that. Let's keep it going. Even when we are completely tired, let's recognize that there is one thing these children need. God. And that we must invest that into their lives. Thank you for bringing them to Eagle's Nest. We've done our bit. But they still need your example as parents to continue teaching them the things of God. May they be able to say, long after they've left your home, that you know, in our parents' home, we were calling upon the name of the Lord. We were. We were. It was a place of worship. We came away convinced life is about God. Now you might be here and with that I must close. And you are saying to yourself, I've already failed. I'm already a disaster. It's too late. It's not too late. It's not. It's not. Never is. Until you die. If it's because you're not yet a Christian, this afternoon, or we're still in the morning, well, it's exactly 12, you can cry to Christ to save you. As a parent, yes, as a parent. You can say, Jesus, I don't know you in a personal way. Save me. Change me from the inside. That unbridled passion that causes me to do wrong. Oh Lord, correct it. Transform me from the inside so that I may not be a disaster to myself and a disaster to my children and a disaster to my children's children. Save me, lest on the day of judgment my hands might be red with the blood of so many generations after me. Lord, save me. That's why he died on the cross. It was to save sinners. To save sinners like you and me. Therefore, call upon him before it is too late. And then number two, go home and say to your family, we are making changes now so that we can be reading the Bible and praying together. We are making the changes. Sorry, I should have been more responsible Instead of spending all my time glued on the TV, I should have taken a few minutes to take you in the things of God. I've been corrected by the grace of God. I'm instituting reform in this home because I love you. I want you to have a future in this life and in the life to come. In this place, we shall be calling on the name of the Lord. Won't you do that? And do that today? Let's pray.
eternal and gracious God in heaven. Thank you for your word. Thank you for its clarity. Thank you for its challenge upon us. We pray that we might take to heart what we have learned and put it into practice. For Jesus' sake, amen.